We're back. We're back. This is Distraction. I'm Drew. That's my co-host, David Roth. How you doing, Roth? It's me, your co-host, David Roth. I'm doing yeah. okay, man. How are you doing? We never. I never actually formally use your your full name or even mine. I say I'm Drew. I could be Drew Carey for all you know. Nobody yeah, knows. Yeah, I think right? that many of our listeners are under the impression that you are. Uh, I know that... Like people uh, that don't know me calling me by my last name is always like that's happened the few times we've done like live events. Someone introduced themselves to my wife by being like, "Are you Roth's wife?" Kind <laughs> 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 of like the biblical uh, way of like, <laughs> like, but yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. I guess you, you don't get to choose what brand you have out there in the world. I'm lucky that I have a nice, short, uh, pleasing sounding last name. Very punchy. Good yeah. punchy last name. Uh, our guest today is our own Kaylin Kaler. Hi, Kaylin. Hey, guys. Speaking of, What's speaking up? Of Live from names. Chicago, it's Kaylin Kaler. I know. Except everybody commenting on the nepotism story about um, <laughs> Gary Kubiak's sons that are all named with a K oh. was a little bit close to home because I'm like, that's also my initials. And no, my middle name does not start with a K. Do you have Roger a, Clemens did that. He... That's the stupidest question anyone can ask. It's my pet peeve. But you don't have a brother who's named, like, Cody no. with a K. All right, no. good. I don't have any biological siblings, so we're good there. It's nice. My, uh, my daughter, I picked it up from her, but, like, she uses the, the Gen Z parlance of KK. Like, if something oh, is okay, yeah. she says KK, and then she'll text it to me. And so I, I affected that now, so I do it. But I'm always very like, man, I better make sure it's just two Ks I'm sending to people. So that always throws me off, too, wrong. because that's, like, my nickname. And so when people use that who, like, are – or, like, they say it out loud, I'm like, you don't know me that well. Like, why are you calling me that? But they're yeah. not – Yeah, they could text you. They could say, yeah. KK, KK. Like, they're not. They're just doing that thing. Yeah. So that always throws me off. So I'm like, that's my name. Like, what are you doing? Why are you using it that way? People uh, call Kaylin... you KK, and you're like, are you talking about Clint Kubiak? <laughs> yeah, or Klein. <laughs> Klein? <laughs> Klein was a really good one. Like, there's plenty of normal names that start with a K. You don't need to, like, <laughs> dip into, you know, the surname territory. Right. Well, yes, that's that's true, because Clint is a, is a C name, but there is nothing. And there's so no is first Clay. name. Yeah, yeah. There's no first name anymore that cannot be augmented with a K instead of a, a C. Right. Or a Z instead of an S, or an X instead of like a T. Like just no, just no, just whatever the sharpest looking, like most extreme letter. They're gonna throw that, throw that in. Kalen, so uh, just briefly, I admired Kalen's piece on nepotism very much. I I do have a compromise that I'd like to add to it though, which is that nepotism among NFL coaching staffs could be allowed if people do the. Um, the Gary Kubiak name style, and they give their kids names that are so ridiculous that they obviously stand out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that like, like Sean McVay is like it's too normal a coaching it's name. Too like normal, you wouldn't yeah. know that his family is like NFL legacy stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, let me uh, let me give some background on that because Kalen wrote for Defector uh, about an epidemic of nepotism across the NFL, which has been true in the NFL basically since its inception, and um, you know she found. That I, I, you know, Kalen, what was the number? How many, how many fail sons were on NFL coaching staffs? So in- my number, which is actually funny, and I didn't want to tweet this because I didn't want to admit that I had miscounted. Uh, my number was 111, but then somebody texted me and said, did you have, uh, oh my God, who was it? Panthers, tight ends. Oh, Kevin Gilbride Jr., a Panthers. <laughs> Kevin <laughs> Gilbride, wow. Somebody, I can see how that one would sneak by Somebody you. who... <laughs> Works in the NFL, texted me and was like, because I was saying, oh, well, your team didn't have many. 
you know, you're, you guys are pretty good. You didn't have that many. And he's like, well, did you get Kevin Gilbride Jr.? And I was like, oh, shit. No, I didn't. <laughs> so I went to my like spreadsheet and I added Kevin Gilbride Jr. I got and it. it I got it. should a dead giveaway, the junior. So I don't know how I missed that. Like, that's obviously like a nepotism hire. So anyways, um, there is actually 112, although I think there's probably more because if I missed one, probably missed several. And you never know if you got all the ones that are related by marriage either, because those ones are a little bit harder to suss out. Some are like pretty famous relationships that you know of, but like, I think there's probably a lot more that are like, you know, in-laws that I missed. So, you know, 112, which roughly translates to about 14% of all NFL coaches. And then it gets, the numbers got higher when you got to positions of power, like coordinators and head coaches. There was like a third of the head coaches are related to a current or former NFL coach. I think it was like 25% of the coordinator level. After you posted that article, did you get feedback from NFL people or agents yes. like being like, were, were they or anyone angry or were they like, oh my God, like, yes, this is totally a problem. Well, there was a lot of feedback and I mean, obviously I sent it to some people that I knew would be like, you know, on, on my side, even though I didn't really have a side, I'm just like pointing something out. Um, right. But then, but then, um, you know, I did hear from people, We ha- I had some, you know, conversations with people who were very much like, well, what about the other forms of nepotism when people hire their college buddies or, you know, their um, friend's son or whatever, which is like, sure, yeah, but those are harder to track. So I kind of had to explain to people like why I focused only on coaches, you know, because some people were like, well, did you look at the front office? Like, how about you do media next? Like that kind of thing. And it's like, yes, like I'm aware this is in every industry. And I think that's part of why a lot of people really like the story is because it is so relatable for like every industry that you can think of. So there was a lot of me like kind of explaining like why I did things the way I did it to better, you know, to, to people who were maybe like, well, you know, this has always happened. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you'll notice I didn't have a solution in the story. I didn't have like a step one, here's how to fix it because it's really impossible to fix. And like, I think the way you start is just by, for all positions on an NFL team, not just the ones right now, all we have now that are covered by the Rooney Rule are head coach um, and coordinators and GM. And then some people on the business side, I'm not sure exactly what the roles are, but there are a few on the business side. But I think the way you do it is, you take every job on an NFL team and you just make it an actual hiring process. You list the job on a website so people can apply and then you conduct interviews, more than one, and there you go. It's more fair. It's not going to fix it. It's never going to fix it. But then at least there's this appearance that like things are being done in a way that you are getting other people in the door and like other people can have a chance at a job. And then actually, the last thing I'll say, I did hear from Blake Williams. Greg Williams' son, who I wrote about. And I didn't know him. He DM'd me on Twitter. I had no relationship with him. I didn't try to contact him for this story because I ran out of time. I actually really wanted to. And then I was like, ah, my deadline's coming up. We got to get this out. So I never reached out to him. And he actually DM'd me in like, um, it was a very long message that I kind of had a hard time interpreting, but he was essentially like agreeing with me of like, why isn't there a hiring structure? Like, this is a huge business. Like there's so much money involved here. Like why isn't it like anywhere else where like HR is like determining, you know, this is how you apply for these jobs. And like, so he, he kind of agreed with me, which I, which I was kind of really surprised by because I don't think I was very nice to him in that story. 
if so I wasn't like his old was man. Really... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say like if I thought that I was really good at my job and other people thought I got it because my dad was Greg Williams, <laughs> I would be mad. Yeah, like, yeah. I would honestly like yeah. I would want people to know about that. Right. Like, and I think that part of it definitely makes sense. It's like transparency only works if there's some broader system of accountability, even if it's just shame, even if it's just the sort of thing where like. There's some level where, like, Bill Belichick is made to feel bad that his, like, weird caveman son is running special teams (laughs) on the Patriots now. But, like, or whatever it is he does, like, assistant tight end quality control coordinator. But that, like, all that, you know, the NFL doesn't do shame very well, but, like, some modicum of transparency definitely would seem to be, like... The easiest possible remedy there for for everybody, it seems like. Yeah. I'm surprised that Blake Williams didn't say to you, you know, I've heard from a lot of other fathers recently, and all of them very, very interested in having me as their son. Right, like, right. Well, I asked him, I said... He DM'd you know, me two times a day. Yeah, yeah. I asked him, because um, he wasn't coaching in the NFL this year, and I was like, what's your plan? Like, are you guys coming back? Are you... Are you a package deal still? Like, what's the, what's going on? And he was like, well, I'm going to be very picky about choosing the right job for us. And I wasn't sure who us was. Like, I think us was his immediate family. I don't think that necessarily meant Greg. Um, but it was interesting because he was like, oh, no, I took a year off on purpose. And, you know, I'm going to be really selective about my next job, which who knows? I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if he turned out any offers. But it was interesting to hear from someone who's actually like in this that they have recognized it as a problem because that was one of the things he said. He's like, yes, like no one's written about this. Like, thanks for writing about it. And I was like, wow, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, but he said that, but he wasn't like, you know, now now you've opened my eyes to this. I'm not going to be a coach anymore. I'm yeah, going to no. work at Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> yeah, and no. like allow to. Yeah. yeah, no, he didn't say that. No, he yeah, did say he might want to get into like analytics more. And I was like, oh, interesting. He went, so, to, he went so, to Princeton, so. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. This is how the, uh, that's how the Mets do it. Sandy Alderson's son is like, got an annoyingly high up position in the front office. And like, yeah, no one's really that mad about it. They're like, yeah, he's competent. He's like one of the five or six competent guys they have. It's just like, at right. some point you notice that like the guy you're dealing with has the same last name as the ultimate boss of the organization. You know, like there's kind of, at, I don't know, at some point, like. You can't stop being Greg Gaga Williams' yeah. son. Like, there's no. just no, no way. And the interesting thing is, no one, the only time, well, with a handful of exceptions, because the Vikings, there was a Vikings columnist for the Star Tribune who did write about nepotism a handful of times um, and pointed it out. Didn't really report it at all, but you know how columnists are. They just sort of write about things. Um, so he, he wrote about nepotism a couple times, but there really were not many references to, like, isn't it weird that Pete Carroll has two sons working for him? It was all like, oh, my God, three family members on the same team. How adorable. Like, they're all Always. named Carroll, and they have to have nicknames so they can distinguish each other from them, whatever. And I was like, how are we not? Like, I don't know. It's just so interesting. And I put that line in there about um, Nate Carroll that literally was from his Wikipedia page that came from an article written about him that said he did not know what he wanted to do after college. And I'm just like. Okay, you didn't know what you wanted to do after college, so you just got to work for an NFL team? I mean, right. that seems insane to me. And it's literally like like this reporter wrote that and like didn't question the sentence that they wrote. Like I'm just like, how can you write that sentence and not be like, "Oh yeah, that's a little gross." Yeah. I don't know. That's such an NFL media thing to me too that there's like this sense where like it's they take it dead serious in some ways so you write about it like it's a matter of fucking national security but at the same time 
it's a TV show to you. And so yeah. it's all kind of like stuff like that is is funny. Right. You know, where it's just kind of like, can you believe it? Like, I, the, he must be really tired dropping his sons off at home after practice. Like, his sons right. who, like, have jobs that they're not qualified for, that they got because they, like, whatever, like, literally <laughs> the head coach has known them from the very first moment they were alive. Right. Just right. realize that Philip Rivers' wife has given birth to an entire coaching staff, which yeah. frightens me. <laughs> That's true. That's I also, so I true. looked up, just while, while you guys were talking, I did look up Kevin Gilbride Jr. to see if he had the mustache, like his old man, like the Dr. <laughs> Rick doesn't. mustache. He doesn't. He doesn't. No. He has the sort of the tactical stubble. He's he got used, the... He used to be with the Bears a couple years ago, so I've met him a couple times, which is why I'm like, oh. how could I forget about him? I've met him. Maybe it's to his credit that you were just like, this guy's just a normal, <laughs> yeah. you know, like he does not like look like a slightly right. smaller, slightly younger version of like whatever right. Kevin Gilbride. Right, but I do remember like Googling him when I was quoting him just to make sure I had his position right. And obviously his dad comes up first. So I knew this the whole time and I still forgot him in my spreadsheet. I'm glad you brought up the Bears though because we should talk about Black oh, Monday yeah. because the Bears, they finally divested themselves of your twin nemeses, Matt Nagy, the coach, and Ryan Pace, the GM. Uh, but the Bears owner or co-owner, I don't even know how many old people own this fucking team, but they're yes, all named McCaskey. One yeah. family of people who are all somehow the exact same age, yeah. and yes. that age is 87. I mean, so Virginia, George- she had 11 children. Two are dead, so there's nine left. Wow. It's wow. That's pretty- <laughs> See you at the crossroads, Clint and Klein That's and McCaskey. Like if you have 11 kids, you're going to be like, look, I'm having 11 because I know I'm going to lose a few along the way. Right. If I move, end up with nine. <laughs> it's all good. It's fine. Right. Uh, George McCaskey held a press conference, and very predictable George McCaskey press conference where everyone's just sitting there like, I can't believe he's actually saying these words. He's such an old shithead. Yes. And he <laughs> said amazing. he would be in charge of hiring the replacements for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, which is something that I kind of expect. Like, I, yeah. you know, the owner does own the team. They do have to, like, hire people. But your thought was that he needed to hire someone uh, who would hire those, the GM and the coach. So I wanted to ask you, is it, is it that vital to you that the McCaskey family, I assume this is just particular to the McCaskey family in your instance, Kalen. Yeah. Was it important to you that the owner not have any say at all in even hiring the GM and the coach of a team? How many layers of bureaucracy should an NFL front office have? It's a good question, and there's, like, a lot of sides. Like, I was actually a scout just texted me today being, like, a VP of football operations job, which would be the layer in between George McCaskey and a GM if there was one, which there isn't. Right. Um, he was like, that's so unnecessary. Like, it's essentially the GM, and George would still be hiring that person, so, like, what's the difference? And I was like, yeah, actually, that's a good point. Like, I mean, so I think the answer to your question is it depends on the track record of the said owner. So, yeah. so like Jerry Jones, I'm fine with him hiring, uh, having the final say on a head coach because they haven't been mired in terrible drafting, terrible play, like just being absolutely decimated by like every team in the division except for the Lions, essentially. So like, um, I think it just depends on the track record of the owner. Like Dan Snyder, do, would I want him to hire my GM or head coach? No, I would not. So I think it depends on the track record, and I think that's why – um, everyone in Chicago was sort of advocating like all the writers here, even like, you know, people around football were like, yeah, they should structure it this way so that someone else who knows more, because I mean, in this press conference, McCaskey literally said he's a fan, not a football evaluator. So, and his, his background is working in the ticket office at the bears. He was never on like football side of things. Um, 
And so, you know, obviously he's watched a lot of football. He knows things. He, you know, he's probably more educated than your average fan. But like his actual day to day job experience has not been managing a football team or like understanding the intricacies of that. So, you know, I think people here thought, well, let's just try something different, like do something different and see if you can get better results when you don't make the choice of who to hire. So I think yeah. that's that's the reason why maybe it would work. But if he's still going to be the person hiring the middleman, then uh, it's probably still not going to work. Yeah. You know so, what you do? You, as, you hire, like... He hires someone to hire the middleman <laughs> yeah, so that there's yeah. another buffer yeah. That's a very NFL respect, like get a consultancy or whatever. Yeah. But it does feel like, I mean, there's a lot of of the really bad teams or badly run teams in the NFL are that kind of like dynastic family business. I would say like the Giants shouldn't be hired. Absolutely the Giants. I mean, I feel like Cal McNair is another example of this too, that like if you had somebody who was in charge of the organization that you were in and every single day that person responded to an email from someone claiming to be a Zambian prince and <laughs> lost $2 million. Yeah. If that happened every week, you would, at some point, you would be like, somebody's got to read your email for you. Yes. Like, it's fine. You can still, like, right. have the office and, like, the town yes. car take you to the stadium or whatever. But, I mean, that's the way it was. I mean, I think you could see this, that, like, Mara was fucking heartsick about having to fire literally yes. Joe Judge yes. because he thought he had discovered the yes. next Bill Parcells. Right. <laughs> And, and, like, if that's the type of judgment that you have, like, I mean, lucky for him that he was born into a family where, like, he literally will never have to work and it will never matter. That, like, he'll never have a job harder than the one that he has now. Right. Which is showing up for his team's football games. Right. But if that's your judgment, then, like, you have to let somebody else make the decisions for you. Right. Right. Roth, let's talk about that for a moment because Joe Judge was not fired on Black Monday. And there were reports indicating that he would – that he would stay, that he would stay as the coach. I was freaking out. Like, I started a post, and then I was like, you're jinxing it. Just let it, let it happen. <laughs> right. So then what happened is that John Mira met with Joe Judge for two days before figuring out <laughs> that this incredible shithead shouldn't be the head coach anymore. So I got, I got two questions for you, Roth. One is, could you tolerate spending two days with Joe Judge? No. Oh and, then the other question, and then the oh other God. question, Roth, is... Is John Mara officially uh, a bad owner? Like, should I lump him in with Dan Snyder? Should I lump him in with the other incompetent owners who just like, you know, the kill the head and the body will die type owner? That's a good question. Because I think uh, I could definitely not do two days with uh, the, the way that like Judge is doing like every type of coach voice at the same time. It's like that Flaming Lips record that you're supposed to listen to on four different stereos. It's like one of them's Ed Orgeron, and one of them's Buddy Ryan, and one of them's like, whatever, it's just like ridiculous. Yeah. And he's, a, he's an unbearable man and a bad coach, so that shouldn't have taken two days. But I think with Mara, it's weird. Like, I wouldn't lump anybody in with Dan Snyder because I think no. Snyder's like a fucking creep. Yeah. Like, he should be in jail. Yes, you know? that's true. Whereas, like, I think with... Mara, there's this element where, like, he's a bad owner, like, in the way that I think sort of the, uh, I've made this comparison before, but the way that, like, the Wilpons were with the Mets when they had money. That, like, he's willing to spend, and he's willing to, like, try to make the team better, which is, like, you know, gives him an edge on, like, the, what are the dinguses that own the Bengals who, like, have backed yeah. into a Mike good Brown. team. But, like, yeah. yeah. Old-ass Mike, Mike Brown. They don't even fucking care. Like, they don't live in the area. They don't have any attachment to the team. Like, it's not important to them. Whereas the Maras care a lot, 
in the same way that the Wilpons cared a lot, which is that they want the team to win, but they want the team to win because of decisions that they made, because yeah. of the values mm. that they imagine the organization has. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, like, I guess is better than not caring. But if you have this, like, totally antique and unworkable idea of what those values are or what that system should be, then, like, you can fuck things up way worse than someone who's just an absentee landlord can. Uh, I, I want to get on to, uh, I don't want to actually spend that much time on my team because I, I wrote about Mike Zimmer getting fired on, uh, on Tuesday and like, I, I got as much juice out of the, the Vikings orange as I could, could possibly get. It was you made like, the point too, that the Wolves are not like bad owners. They're good owners, man. They, yeah, they like spend they care, a lot of money. They spend money. Yeah. Yeah. And they stay the fuck out of the way. They don't even live in Minnesota. Like that's a problem for Minnesotans, but I'm, I don't live in Minnesota myself anymore. So who gives a fuck? But, uh, yeah, they, they spend the money and they they like they spend money everywhere. Like they not only spend it on players, but they like they spend on facilities and on resources. And you know, you get to you get to you know, you get a nice really like European candy bar on your private jet ride to, you know, the visiting road game or whatever the fuck. Like that's all good. Mm-hmm. But like there was a dysfunctional team. Like it was like everyone really hated Mike Zimmer. Like everyone yeah. like it's becoming clear now that people really hated his fucking guts because he was just a dour asshole. And so now we got, I believe, six vacancies open. I, I think I have that right. We got Miami, Minnesota, Chicago, New York, Oakland, and Jacksonville. Is that and six? Houston, and Houston. All right, so that's seven. No, wait, did David Kelly no, get fired? Did he get fired? I thought they did fire him. He ain't I thought fired they were expected yet. to do it. Good, they shouldn't. I thought that um, I had read that he was like expected to be fired. Roth, dude, I keep, this is like at the front of my brain all the time. Like, All right, just, I what, trust which you. coaches Absolutely. have been fired? It's the it's the first thing I think about in the morning. It's the <laughs> last thing I think about before I go to sleep. It legitimately is. I don't so, think I will still, Well, one day ago, it said he is moving forward with the belief he'll remain the Texans' head coach. Great, cheerfully withdrawn. I think he did a pretty good job with that incredibly lousy team. So, however, anyway, that's I'm, a, ask, I'm glad he kept his job. It does surprise me though. I'm going to ask you, Kalen. Do you expect any of these teams? to do interesting things with these GM and coach openings, what would those even things even look like if they did do them? Huh. Like what is out of the, what is something that is truly out of the box and just doesn't sound out of the box? Like out of the box is like, we hired Mike Tressman from the CFL. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And then it turns out to be a total shit show. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was just a horrible choice. Um, that's interesting. I mean, I don't think we're going to see many college hires because I think the reputation right now for them is like pretty low. Um, Justifiably so. Yeah, yeah. Considering like Matt rule and his giant contract. So I, and also I might feel like, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what kind of contracts and deals go down, but I feel like people, I feel like owners are going to be a little bit more averse to these massive contracts considering what happened with John Gruden and what happened well what Matt Rule is in right now and he'll probably be fired next year and he has this massive I don't know how long his contract is but it was one of those like seven years or like whatever like just a really long time so I don't know I think we're not going to see any of those like major freaking deals I don't think we'll see that um I think maybe the most out of the box thing is I think we are going to see more like minority hires in these positions this season last year we really didn't although i think 
overall, like in all positions that were hired, it was a really good year for minority hires. Like it was a big increase overall in the NFL, um, but not at the head coach or GM level. Uh, although there were two, I think there were two GMs that were black last year. I can't remember at least one. Um, so I think maybe this year we're going to see finally like more like black head coaches, minority head coaches being hired um, into these positions. But I can't really think of anything that would be like so uh, splashy or out of the box that we wouldn't predict happening. Yeah, I mean, I think like a, a shock would be Sean like... Unless Sean Payton went to Chicago. I don't see that happening, is that, though. Is that possible, or is that just something you want? It's Anything's possible, really. I mean, I kind of thought Mike Tomlin might be involved in a trade at some point, you know, this offseason. Because it kind of felt like, I don't know, with the end of, you know, with Roethlisberger's end, and they were pretty bad this year, I just sort of felt like maybe he was going to be ready to move somewhere else. But obviously he denied the USC thing that went around. Um, he denied that, but I wouldn't have been surprised if like the Raiders like traded for Tomlin or something, you know, like, but now it looks like the Raiders might actually keep Rich Bisaccio, which I think, I think he's done a great job. So I don't think that's a bad choice. You know, give him a shot at it. But I think, yeah. I think the splashiest thing would be some kind of good coach established somewhere like a Peyton or a Tomlin getting traded or somehow getting to another team. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think that Peyton makes has, sense. Like the Illinois tie, like he's from Illinois, um, and that's another situation where like very successful coach having a down year, quarterback uncertainty going on, not really sure where you're going next with that position. Either either of those teams are kind of lost yeah. at quarterback. I mean, certainly lost. I was going to say if they did decide that they wanted to, like obviously you don't do like full teardowns in Pittsburgh, and like the Saints are like they're still pretty good at a lot of positions yeah. they just it's like they're a weird you know they have this strange hole at quarterback but if one of those organizations did decide that they wanted to like begin a sort of a rebuilding process maybe you don't need to keep an expensive right. brand name head coach around right. for that that's interesting i hadn't even thought of mm. it because i t- my answer to drew's question was like nothing like there's yeah. no out of the box thing like unless it was the sort of thing where you got a new quarterback and installed a new system and built like you know just sort of like built to suit a new yeah. like sort of approach to being a team. Yeah. And like maybe if like Russell Wilson winds up on the Bears or something that happens, but right. it's the I mean the best or biggest name quarterback that's got any chance to move this offseason is Kirk, right? Yes. Like that's not a you don't change your whole shit for Kirk Cousins. I mean, that's what we're all rooting for as Vikings fans, <laughs> but it's not easy. Like it cuz it, it would be It's not easy with his contract. Right. And I just said that the Wolves spend money, but in order to get rid of Kirk, they would have to eat twenty or thirty million dollars of that contract to get another team to take him. Yeah, and you know, I I know other Vikings beat writers who assume that Kirk could fetch a first because Matt Stafford just did, and he's made from spare parts. But <laughs> I I think I think Kirk is the sort of quarterback where you'd have to pull a Brock Osweiler and you'd have to offer them yeah. a draft pick, right? To just to get rid of his sorry ass and get him out of your life forever. And I'd be more than happy for them to do that. I, I, I just had them watch. I just watched them piss away four third-round picks on nobody. So I, I got no problem with them the other thing, doing that again. The other thing I think might happen, only based off of that one report this week, when Flores was fired in Miami, I don't know who had it, but they said, oh, Brian Flores was a big reason Deshaun Watson wanted to go to Miami. You know, who knows how true that is and how, you know, dedicated Deshaun Watson is to like the right head coach, 
you know, I don't think he's really going to have that flexibility in choosing his next spot. Right. I was going to say, like, I think you might be overestimating your leverage there, man. Yeah. Yeah. But but if that is the case, I mean, Brian Flores is a candidate. He he's interviewing at Chicago. I don't know where else. I just know the Bears requested an interview with him. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw quarterback movement based off of coach movement. That'd be cool. I, I, uh, also that, that report struck me as contradictory because all season long it was Stephen Ross is extremely horny for Sean Watson. We'll do any, we'll do anything to trade for him. So the idea that, that they would fire Brian Flores because suddenly they didn't want Deshaun Watson and he did, that struck me as, as kind of bullshit. Before we go to break, I just want to say that, that what strikes me is like out of the box is stuff that is like we talked about sort of standard out of the box shit for the NFL for long. So like Jim Harbaugh coming aboard or uh, and my team has already been linked to Lane Kiffin. I was so, I wasn't going to oh, say yeah. it. I was like, this has to be if if we're going to talk about Lane Kiffin, Drew has to bring it up. Yeah, out of well, respect because the Vikings have been linked to Eric Bieniemy, which makes sense because he coached there. Uh, he's a good coach, and they've also been linked to Kiffin. And uh, already, I'm like, oh no, not Lane Kiffin. And I'm like, but you know, he's kind of yeah. so good. Like <laughs> I, you know, I already, I've already done the whole the whole process. So whenever whenever it's a new thing like whenever it's an unorthodox hire it's still like it's either within the parameters of what has always been unorthodox in the nfl which doesn't make it unorthodox at all or it's an enormous disappointment like the bears interviewing fucking dan quinn you know like something like that uh let's take a break and come back and do a little haters guide to the nfl playoffs Uh, we're back. You ready for the singing, Roth? You ready for the singing? Hell yeah, I'm ready for the singing. Let's go, because it's time for the It's Good to the NFL Playoffs. Kayla, Damn. Kayla. <laughs> wow. Kayla, Kayla the, uh, you noted uh, before. No one uh, talks we, about the range. but before, <laughs> before we went on the air live, you know, you did not care for the term Super Wild Card Weekend, because it sounds like a shitty arcade game from 1992. Yes. <laughs> I hate it. I really hate it. It's done. Uh, so are you telling me that you are not ready to enjoy Super Wild Card Weekend? I'm ready to enjoy it. I just won't be referring to it in that way. <laughs> uh, yep. What's the best game on the slate? They got. Uh, I'll go quickly through them uh, in order of uh, their airtime. Saturday, we got Raiders at Bengals, uh, followed by Patriots at Bills. That's the night game on Saturday. Uh, and then on Sunday, it's a triple header. You got Eagles at Bucks, 49ers at Cowboys, and then the night game is the Steelers at the Chiefs. That's the marquee game. Mm. Ew. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be. And maybe they know something we don't. And then there's, a, there's the first ever Monday night wild card game, and that's the Cardinals, Cardinals the Rams. Rams yeah. what, is the best, what, is the, what is the best of that bunch? Which game would you like to watch the most? I think the Saturday games are my favorite, um, the two Saturday games, um, mostly because I'm obsessed with the Bengals. Like, since I can't Yeah, have, I love them. Because I, I can't have Justin Herbert in the playoffs, which, like, literally broke my heart like broke my heart i'm still in denial i haven't literally yeah i mean like i that was awful like i love that quarterback i love that team it was just so oh anyways so since we can't have justin herbert joey burrow is my close second for favorite quarterback in these playoffs so little joey um i'm excited to see him in the playoffs and i also i'm kind of excited to see what the raiders do like i think Nobody put any stock in the Raiders this season, and I don't want them to beat the Bengals because I want the Bengals to make it to the Super Bowl. But I think it will be a good game considering what we have seen from the Raiders recently. And then obviously Bill's Patriots doesn't really need an explanation as to like why that's a great game. I mean, it's going to be awesome and 
I have a strange aversion to divisional matchups in the playoffs because they already played twice. Yeah. yeah. And they play third time. It's like, oh, it's the rubber match. And I'm like, you right. know what? I've seen these two motherfuckers. And, um, I, don't I feel know. like things that's... always happen when they play a third time. It's always weird. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I feel that way, too. But I also am aware that it's overthinking it. It's like if I'm at like a restaurant with a bunch of people and everyone gets the same entree. And I'm like, well, don't you want to try something different? But it's like, no, you want the thing that you want the most. Like Bill's Patriots is like, those are two good teams playing each other. Like, and I will probably enjoy watching it. Right. But... Yeah, like the Sunday games are are vile. I had no idea that they stacked it so that the like the traditional football day is just all games that you wouldn't watch if it was like week twelve <laughs> yeah. and they were on local TV. Yeah. Actually, in a twist, I I like Eagles Bucks. Uh, that the could most. be fun. That could I be genuinely, really fun. I genuinely enjoy watching Jalen Hurts play football, even though he's not always good. Yeah, and also the weather's supposed to be just putrid that day. Yes, which good. benefits what a team that happens to be the number one rushing offense in football and like. I like, I like upsets featuring a lot of like a surprise rushing attack. Like when one college team like surprises another team by beating the shit out of them by rushing for three hundred yards. You mean, like I, like I, you're I find surprised that, to learn that, that Jordan Howard is still playing. Yeah, like, I find that surprise. utterly magnetic. I I love that kind of shit. So I and also the Bucks last year almost lost to Taylor Heineke in the first round. Yeah. And that was the closest. Yeah, that was the closest win that they had. Yeah. So I'm like, and they I'm, almost I'm, they already have had. Um, what was their bad loss? I mean, they lost to the Saints, but um, I mean, they almost lost to the Jets. Then they didn't. So, like, there yeah. are some holes. Yeah. There are some holes in this team, and like, I don't want to like make too much of the Antonio Brown saga. But I will say, um, I've talked to people in the NFL about. I always ask people, like, well, how much does off the field stuff affect what goes on um, with your team chemistry and like your performance on the field? And it depends on the situation who you talk to. But a lot of people will tell you, like, it has a a direct impact. So I'll be kind of curious to see if like this lingers in any noticeable way. Um, yeah. With their performance. Well, because they have no, they have no wideouts like Mike Evans is their only healthy yeah. wideout right now. And they have no healthy corners right. either. Right. So like they were loaded going into this season. They returned all 22 starters right. from a Super Bowl t- winning team. And so it seemed to me like a fait accompli, but like these injuries, like they have, they really do have like two, Units that are just utterly decimated right now, and who better take who better take advantage of that than Nick Sirianni, who loves yes. attacking attacking rest yeah. more than any other coach in the world. Attack rest, so good. Uh, so I, I I think the worst game on the slate is I I think it, I think it might be Patriots Bills. Like I'm I know that you're looking forward to it, Kalen, but I I just think it's going to be like either the Bills win. 40 to like eight and it's awesome and i love every second of it and i just w- i want to start drinking again <laughs> or the patriots win in a fucking slog and it's not even like it's not even a an anomalous like slog like when they won that night game yeah when their first matchup when they only passed the ball is that, game, literally is three that times. at buffalo where are they it's at buffalo okay buffalo okay interesting yes interesting did i tell you that my my son likes to do a buffalo accent all the time now like that's our running joke <laughs> wow that's how did you get so fortunate as to like how did you expose went, your child to a buffalo accent? Because they too? took a trip yeah. to Niagara Falls with my wife one summer, and they got fully exposed to the Western New York accent. So like they come back and they were all joking like I'm gonna go get in my car and go to the bar in <laughs> Buffalo, like, and it's kind of like our accent here. And in the yeah, it's like it, it's similar. It is the it is the gateway accent. Yeah. 
to the upper Midwest yeah. accent. Like yeah. there's no like, oh yeah. <laughs> and there's no like, but there's like, it's getting close. Yeah. Like, you can see, yeah. you can see the evolution going as you it's drive like if you further, had to like package along. it for sale you would say that it was like in a facility that also processes canadian accents yeah like it does not enough that it necessarily shows up but there's like trace elements if right. you're allergic like you yes. can have a reaction yeah, to it yeah 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 well i think the worst game is steelers chiefs like i, I hope i hope it's yeah. the fucking I just worst don't, game i really i have no interest do. in seeing the steelers play like literally ever again this year i don't i'm not yeah interested. i don't want i i hope they're contracted i don't want to see them in the league oh at all going forward. that was the most Relegate disappointing them. part we were all kind of you know getting our hearts broken to various degrees and for various reasons watching chargers raiders but it was like knowing that if it didn't somehow end in a tie which it briefly seemed like it might but really was probably never going to yeah. that like there was an authentic penalty involved yes. if it didn't go that way yeah. that you just had to watch the steelers score like yeah. 13 points. And that game, yeah, the Steelers-Ravens game was like, again, like, Brutal. no one wanted to Awful. win the game. Nobody could win the game. The Steelers, like, happened to win, but it's like, that game sucked. And, like, that's exactly what we're going to see. And, the, I mean, I think the Chiefs are just going to, like, dominate, I hope. Uh, I, yeah. I really hope. Because I, 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 I spent 20 years watching Big Ben pull ugly games out of his ass, and it's just intolerable television. Yeah, so I and think I'd that's say the that, worst one. I said that even though I got, you know, my my mentions became a dumpster fire last week because I said B- Big Ben sucks. And You're like so every, FOS. Yeah, and every that. deranged Steelers fan, including an editor at the Washington Post, yes, was like, crazy. well, you're the piece of shit, buddy. Oh and God. Big Ben is actually a gentleman, a perfect gentleman. And I was like, what? Yeah, they're like, he bought a police dog for a police department. What yeah. have you done? Probably yeah. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, well, you know, just like like Big Ben sexual assault truthers in my mentions, which is just not terrible. a pleasant way to go out. No. But they suck anyway. They suck regardless of all that. Right. So I don't like. Um, speaking of which, uh, well, I, I don't want to talk about what she would be awful if they won, even though it, this is a hater's guide, because like it's it's the Steelers. And yeah. for me, it's the Packers. And Kalen, you are a lapsed Bears fan, so I assume you don't want the Packers to win. Roth, who is the unideal team to win a title in this field for you i mean is it hack to say the patriots again like no. i just kind of feel like the the mac discourse like it's been kind of like fun all year in an unpleasant sort of way yeah. which is maybe not a type of fun that other people like to have to have to like constantly be going through the sort of uh stages of <laughs> grief and reconciliation with the fact that he's like competent but not that good but he is competent and he can win a game blah 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 i don't know i just kind of like it, it's fine if they if they beat the bills like i have no problem with that i just don't want to deal with the mac jones super bowl like i kind of there's teams that i think would be fun to watch in the super bowl mm-hmm. and then there are teams that i think decidedly would not most of the not fun teams aren't that good, but the Patriots, I think, are the best of the not fun. If, teams. if they played the Bucks in the Super Bowl, I would root for the Bucks to win that game by ninety points. <laughs> same, same, and like, and I wouldn't, I would still watch it because I will keep drinking that garbage, yeah. like until I die. But uh, yeah, gotta not have that happen. Actually, I mean, the good news for you, Roth. I'm sorry, Kalen. Go oh, ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I'm actually fine with the Packers winning the Super Bowl um, because well, you go to hell because. Um, I'm very tired of the like Aaron Rodgers storyline that like he hasn't won another one. So like, let's just do it. Just win another one, and then he can go play somewhere else next year, and then like slowly, you know, fade off. 
Also, that's not what's going to happen. Also, I love, gonna happen. I love watching him play still. You know, I could separate, you know, the off the, the art and the artist. If yeah. he wins, a, if he wins a title this year, first of all, he's going to be back in Green Bay no matter what. He's going to be back in Green Bay no matter what. Yeah. And he's, if he wins a title, he's just going to win like a couple more there. And then it's going to be like, is it Rodgers or Brady who's the GOAT? <laughs> terrible storyline yeah yeah Yeah. like i like the idea that his one title is so far away enough now that i can treat him like the atlanta braves in the in the the 90s and just call him a choker because he only has one i mean it was what 10 11 years ago now 2011 it was it was 20 it was the 2010 season so it was 12 years so yeah well 11 11 years ago yeah that's because that super bowl took place in 2011 but uh boring yeah uh, if it's any consolation roth the patriots have lost uh four of their last six and jones played like absolute shit yeah, yeah. he's been he's been bad down this yeah, yeah. i like i like it when mac jones plays the way i stereotype him to be <laughs> bad yeah that, that is what pleases me there's also a perverse part of me that likes it when he plays better than you expect him to play i just don't want him to be too good like right. it's like I the way that like when you see a dog standing on his hind legs, you're like, oh look at you, buddy, great job. Like you're not supposed to be able to do that. <laughs> but like if that dog started like doing the running man or whatever, I'd be like, this is not great. Like this is something is wrong here. It's supernatural, and I don't care for it. Mm-hmm. I'm fine if he's competent but not excellent, so that he's just like he always wins tens games for them, but then does nothing else because I know that sort of quarterback. Because I have that sort of quarterback. <laughs> so I wish that upon you. Hey, let's remember a guy. Would you like to remember a guy, Kalen Kaler? Yeah. Good, because the guy in honor of you is former Bears tight end Desmond Clark. Do you remember Desmond Clark, oh, Kalen Kaler? I think so. What year was that? He played from 2003 to 2010. He is the oh, 25th yeah. leading yeah. receiver in Bears history. And I got to yeah, tell you. I remember him. I, I got to tell you, like, 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 like we joke a lot about the Bears' quarterback history because it's really fucking dire. Yeah. But if you look at their all-time receiving leaders, it's so bad. It is. Oh my god, it's bad. so bad. He should not be on any team's top twenty. I mean, he was like a perfectly fine tight end from what I remember, but he was like a three hundred fifty yards receiving a year yeah. guy. If you're, if you're, if you're. I got. I, I have to. One, I have isn't to one of go the players of in names. like the top five, like from like the fifties or something? That seemed to remember well, that. No, 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 no. It's. It's worse than that. So if you go through their top receivers by yards, number one is Johnny Morris. No, who played from I 1958 yes, yes, to 1967. Yes. I was number looking two this is up Harlan, last year. Yep, I yeah, remember that. Number two is Harlan Hill, who last played in 1961. The no. the poster guy? The guy that's like the so like Fox News weekend host? So bad. That looks like, yeah, that's great. Good for him. Number number three is Alshon Jeffrey, who's like an actual person yeah. who, like won, who won the Super Bowl not in Chicago, of yeah. course. Number four is Walter Payton, who doesn't even play wide out. No. And number five is Mike Ditka. So right. that's your, <laughs> right. that's your, those are your five greatest receivers in Bears history. Literally, that's awful. It couldn't be worse. And that's why I really want Allen Robinson to leave. <laughs> that's yeah. so, I need him it's to so go anywhere, literally anywhere else. He needs to get He's out. such a cool player to watch too i really have always like i like watching him in college and i don't really remember watching any players in a couple college, games but. ago he had covid and he, the story was he had to get like two ivs to play against oh. the giants and i was like why are you even doing that just don't play like <laughs> so andy dalton could just throw a laser I mean, at your mid shin yeah. and then like look upset about it after like, like, what are you <laughs> like what are you even doing like you lost 12 pounds just like don't just take a day off 
It's not worth That's it. Grim. Unfortunate for him. Alas, yeah. what are you going to do? Hey, Where's Bernard Berrien on the list of top 25? Is he on there? Oh, wait. Hang on a second. I, I thought maybe sorry. Devin Hester was going to be on there when they tried to like, th- make him a receiver. I think, <laughs> I think number six is like Kevin White, but let's see. Uh, yeah, you're <laughs> Kevin White was uh, like You were looking catch. for, what was the one you wanted, uh, Roth? Bernard Berrien. Oh, I oh, like right, him. Bernard I Berrien. loved him. Former Viking Bernard Berrien. Number 30. 30th oh. all-time. Moosin Muhammad is right behind oh. Berrien. Because nice. Muhammad, of course, had his best years after he left the Barrows and went to yeah, Carolina. Of course. Yeah. Uh, right. There's some really wild names, like Tom Waddle. So just a oh, fantastic. Yeah, Tom Greg Olson, who had his best years in Carolina. Like, it's really. Yeah. Tom Waddle's still a, like a Chicago yes. sports media. Like, anybody yeah. that ever played yes. for the Bears and is white just hangs around forever yeah. in Chicago doing radio, yeah. right? Yeah, that's like a. That's like the Washington football team. Like, if you played for a cup of coffee with the Washington football team, you're automatically an all time great. Right. And you get fed at halftime at your own <laughs> terrible radio show. It's like how McQuaid talks about how every, like the most famous people in Philadelphia are newscasters. <laughs> like it's funny that that's like the way it is in DC. That it's like, like Chris Cooley is yeah, like the one person that Chris everyone Cooley. that lives there yeah. knows who he is. Let's open up the fun bag, Kale, and this is from Glenn. He writes in, "What is the optimal number of bookmarks to own?" I think the answer is six, but my friend says it's just two. He's the sort of guy that will buy multiple pair of the same jeans, though. Kale, how many bookmarks do you own? Um, honestly, probably one for every book. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. Cause like if I buy a book, typically like the book, the bookstore like puts a bookmark into the book that like, yeah, like has their like name on it. So I've never bought a bookmark and I would never because they're like paper. So yeah. <laughs> right. I would literally yeah. like this book, right? Like every, like an ad for um, unabridged bookstore in Chicago, like you like, stick it in there. So like literally every Physical book I have has a bookmark in it. That was free. I would never buy one. I don't. I don't think I've ever bought. I've never been like, oh my god, I'm out of bookmarks. <laughs> yeah. We got one. I've bought one bookmark in my life, uh, and it was. It's an ornamental. We were so for our honeymoon. We went to. We were in Tuscany, a couple different places, and in Florence is like famous for its leather work. Oh, nice. But also. It's expensive, and we were, like, in our late 20s, and, like, at that time, I was basically, like, literally taking time off from my, like, bullpen job writing fantasy updates for MLB.com. <laughs> like, so basically, we went into this nice leather store, and I was speaking in my, you know, C-plus college Italian, which I was, like, 10 years out of date on by then, and more or less, like, trying to find the right way to ask what is the cheapest item in this <laughs> store that I can purchase so we will have something from it. And we got a leather bookmark that is a it's a black carrot with like a sort of bright green top that we use in one cookbook as a bookmark. Every other bookmark in my house is either the the Kalen move where you get one when you buy a book or uh, it's how I justify having this like constant sloshing presence of worthless baseball, football and basketball cards yeah. in my house. Those are all very solid bookmarks. Yeah, there business cards too. Yeah, if you want to like uh, – overthink it when you're starting a new book and you want to like match a bookmark with it if you want to you know say like this book is by a writer that you've admired in the past you know somebody solid maybe under uh rated by critics you could you know just go through the crappy cards you have until you find like a bobby abreu that like matches the vibe of the book now you don't have to do that i certainly would uh not do that and have never done it but one could do it hypothetically Hypothetically, think, yes, that's important. I uh, confess that I really, I, I dog ear pages. I don't really use bookmarks, yeah. and I'm sure there are book lovers out there who are like, oh, <laughs> but yep. uh, <clears throat> I do. I don't. I don't. I don't give a shit. Like, 
I don't need my book to be in mint condition after I've read it. Like, I don't even, I put it in the fucking little free library. I don't need it sitting around. Yeah, we have a a thing. We sell books back to the Strand pretty regularly, which is like, you know, not if they're messed up, they won't take them. But like, we have enough coming in. Like, it's like a good deal for us. Like, we have more books than we need. So you're basically making an eight for one trade credit wise. (laughs) But that's like, that's what we want. Like, we have eight books. It's actually your most important revenue stream as a couple. It is. Like, that was, yeah, I was going to say that's one thing that I've continued doing since I was, uh, yeah, working the shitty bullpen job at MLB.com. It's just, uh, yeah, finding ways to make 13 extra bucks in the hardest possible way. Uh, One more and then we'll uh, we'll take off. Kalen, this is from Darren. He says, curious what you would think if the NFL added a 50-yard PAT try worth two points. So after a touchdown, you can opt to kick a 35-yard field goal for one point, a 50-yard field goal for two points, or a standard two-point conversion. Is that a cool idea or too gimmicky, Caleb? I hate it because I don't like kicking, so I don't know why I I would ever vote for that if I was on the competition committee. I certainly would not. Weird um, that a Bears fan would be like, I don't want to see more kicking. Yeah, I mean, it's the worst part of the game, and I still... That's why I love the Chargers the way that I do this year, because they are revolutionary when it comes to fourth down and going forward on fourth down and attempting two-point conversions, and I'm obsessed with that. And I think it's going to... We already saw it this year. It's changing. Teams are attempting way more two-point conversions than they ever have, and going forward on fourth down more than they ever have, and having more success doing so. So... No, I hate that idea. Sorry to whoever that was who entered that idea, but I hate it. Well, that, that yes, was the Chargers and, did and not go for know. it on fourth down more than uh, there there was a coach who went Dan on Campbell, down. Dan our Campbell, man, our that's friend, right. friend of the program, longtime <laughs> listener, the man, the chin, right. the legend. I love Dan. Dan that's Campbell. why I love Dan Campbell too. Even if some of his decisions weren't. Didn't really make a lot of sense. Loved it. <laughs> I was going to say, like, decision doesn't have to be good no. for you to like it. Like, no. It's actually, not my problem. He had, a bad, he had a bad fourth down call against the Vikings where he went for it on his own 35, like late in the game. And they totally blew it, of yeah. course. And then the Vikings came back and took the lead. But that was the game where Jared, Jared Goff hit uh, Emmon Ross St. Brown uh, for the game-winning yeah. touchdown at the very end. So it game didn't when, when Poppy matter. came home. So, yeah. so, so the Karma Gods rewarded Dan Campbell for his for his ballsiness, even when they even when they fucked it up in the middle. Drew, do you like the fifty yard PAT? I kind of dig it, but I like kicking more than Kalen does. I uh, no, because I just think we should move toward getting rid of the PAT altogether. Yeah, I don't think any team would do it. I think that they would. That's I, the I think thing most is. teams would Justin be more Tucker, confident. The Ravens were like the only team that would do it. Yeah, right. Because uh, otherwise, it's like you have to trust that your offense has got a better shot of getting in from the five than that. Like your kicker is just going to kick like objectively a very hard thing uh for the same amount of points well like, i don't know you, because because two two point conversion percentages is right usually around 50 50 it's in that yeah, area 50, like yeah. it's usually like it usually the percentage usually looks like an election result and 50 yard field goals i think there are some some kickers who routinely make their 50 yard field goals quite quite often i don't mm-hmm. know what the league-wide percentage is but i would wager that it is probably higher than 50 percent because so yeah. many of them are piddly shit 50 and 51-yard field goals where it's like, yeah. eh, it's not that bad. But I don't know. Anyway, that was a that was a fine here's guy to the playoffs. Are you guys excited for the playoffs now that we've gone through all these teams uh, and shitty coaches? Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. I am. Fire, fire up the seven-layer seven dip. Brandon Nix and Corinne Wallace are our producers. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. Thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com 
use the promo code DISTRACT. And don't forget oh. to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And go subscribe to Defector.com, too, while you're at it. And also, Defector now has two other new podcasts, Name Dropping, starring Samer Kaloth and Giddy Nathan, and Normal Gossip with Kelsey McKinney. So go and check those out anywhere else podcasts are sold. They're totally good. <laughs> They're totally to both good. of them. And we'll, we'll see you guys next week. Have a great playoffs. Have a great weekend. Bye, Kalen. Bye, Roth. Bye.